0: Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host, and thank you as always for tuning in, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I really do appreciate you giving up your time to listen to the podcast. Today's interview is with a young man by the name of Eric Sedransk. If you don't know Eric by name, well, you'll probably know him by his Instagram handle. It's Member for a Day. Eric started Member for a Day essentially this year to do and provide life, once in a lifetime golf experiences. For a charitable course. Yes, that's right. Eric has amassed a wonderful body of golf courses and people who provide member for a day experiences. It's a wonderful concept. I think it's a, a fantastic way of using golf and the popularity of golf and the generosity of people to bring all of that together to raise money for a variety of causes that Eric supports. Now, at the moment, Eric is just on the back of releasing his latest auction series, Coaches versus Cancer. And if you go to Eric's website, you'll see all of the details on coaches versus cancer. Essentially, you know Eric has assembled the who's who of coaches from the US, basketball teams, college basketball teams, along with some other celebrities and pro golfers to take and host the winning bidders, essentially for auction items to play at money can't buy experienced golf courses. We're talking likes of Bolter Stroll, Shadow Creek with Pat Perez, etc., etc. It's absolutely phenomenal, the work that... Eric is doing, bringing together people and matching them with other people who are prepared to pay for this experience, all in the name, and in this case, for cancer, cancer research, beating cancer. So that's just a wonderful way of using golf for a great and wonderful cause. And I think once you listen to the interview, you'll very much realize that Eric is definitely a man on a mission. And he's got a very clear vision of what he wants to achieve and what he can achieve, not only in America, but I think hopefully, maybe globally, by using this concept of member for a day and putting that work to good cause and effect, raising money for charities. It's a great story. I love the opportunity to sit down and talk to Eric. We've been chatting for a while and uh, just a very, very pleasant and pleasurable young man to spend 40 or so minutes talking to. I hope you enjoy the interview with Eric. It's a great cause. Check him out. Give him a follow. One day, you never know. We might have a member for a day, auctions down here, money can't buy experiences. We talk about that idea as an idea. You never know. So thanks for listening. Jump over to iTunes, leave us a review, share the podcast, tell a friend. And this is a really important one. Tell a friend about the work that Eric's doing. That would mean the world to him and uh, it would really, really bring a smile to uh, my face as well. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the My Life of Golf podcast and we'll see you next time. Eric Sedransk from Member for a Day. Welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, Eric? Thanks for joining us all the way over there in Hilton Head. How are you?
1: Ross, thanks for having me. I am just living the dream every single day.
0: Well, I can see you because we're obviously using this wonderful technology of Zoom to connect and I can see you. Uh, I've seen you on Instagram and online many times doing the wonderful work that you do with Member for a Day. Uh, it's first time for us to chat, and we've been talking about it for a while, so it's great to be able to, in a pretty iconic day for us here in Melbourne, uh, as we were chatting off air, that the uh, world gets back to some sort of normality. Uh, it looks like it's very normal over there for you, uh, sitting in your T-shirt uh, over there in Hilton Head. How is, how is life on the other side of the world before we get into yeah, talking? Yeah, I feel
1: bad saying this. I mean, South Carolina, the golf courses didn't close for a single day, so um, we've, been, we've been really fortunate. Obviously, the COVID numbers are are going up, going down, going back up. But in terms of golf, it's, um, yeah, they never close and it's been the, you know, we're breaking records every single day in terms of number of rounds. So it's all, it's all good here on Hilton head.
0: You do appreciate what golf means to, to you when you are starved without it for an extended period of time. And and that's one thing that I think uh, everyone in in Melbourne has learned and Mm -hmm. you know, it's that appreciation for golf that I think has driven you towards doing something and using golf as a vehicle to do something really well and that's what I'm pretty keen to to learn about and share that journey and that story because you know the concept that you're about to tell us is is a really powerful one and you know to, you to be congratulated for you know putting yourself to do that work for a great cause, cause and causes and i think the scale of it and the potential of it has got great opportunities more so for you but also for other people around the world or for you around the world. So let's let's get into what member for a day is. Tell us, you know, where that started for you.
1: Yeah. So I mean originally it was just a way for me to document some of my golf travels. You know, I've been fortunate enough to play a lot of great golf courses and I thought it was sort of my duty to to share some of those experiences with people that might not be as fortunate to play some of these courses. And so that was really the start. And then frankly, I just wanted to meet other crazy golfers like yourself so that, you know, when I'm in Australia, I could give you a call and we could play golf. That was really why I started originally. So that was about three years ago. Um, and then, you know, you fast forward to, um, this past year, um, and I got laid off going into COVID and, um, you know, I was realistic that going into a pandemic, I wasn't gonna get another job. So instead of just wasting my time networking and endlessly just applying to jobs, um, I was looking for something more meaningful and, and creative to spend my time. Um couple that with the fact that I had left New York City, I had driven down to Hilton Head where I still am today, and you know, the golf course is never closed. The beach is closed, but we were still going to the beach. Um, I only say that because it basically just felt like I was on vacation all the while I'm looking, you know, I'm getting messages from my friends who are in their shoebox apartments, haven't seen the light of day in two weeks. And so I say that because I just started feeling really guilty and, you know, this kind of led me down a path of trying to figure out something, something to do. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I had this Instagram account with, uh, at the time, I think I had about two 2,000, maybe 2,500 followers of, of, of rabid golfers. And, you know, through my travels, I had met a lot of head professionals and members of some of the most exclusive golf courses in the world. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to reach out to the people that I know and just say, Hey, would you be willing to donate a round of golf, um, that I'm going to auction off with the proceeds going to COVID relief specifically to feed hospital frontline workers in New York city. And my attitude was worse comes to worse. They just say no and so be it. And you know, it's not really, not really a big deal. Um, And so I reached out, actually, I remember the first person I reached out to his name is Scott Chisholm. He's the head pro at Rolling Green uh, outside of Philadelphia. It's just a wonderful William Flynn design, actually one of the best routing golf courses that I've ever played in my life. And I shot him a message on Instagram and he just wrote back, Yep, we're in. And um I was like, Okay, well that was that was easier than I thought it would be. Um and so that kind of sent me down this path. And I spent about two plus weeks reaching out to my network, you know, trying to get as many great rounds of golf as possible donated. And um after about two weeks, I had 20 of the best golf courses in the world um signed up and committed to donating around um, to be auctioned off uh, for COVID relief. And so this was back in May. And so I'm pretty sure I'm getting these dates right. On May 14th, we went live. I had 20 golf courses and I just pushed it out on social media. Um, I didn't pay for any marketing or anything. This was all just organic social. And, um, you know, I just had a modest goal, maybe – raise 10 or 15,000 hours would be great. Um, and the thing just took off. Uh, I remember a few very specific numbers. I remember within the first evening, um, or I should say first 24 hours, we had raised $12,000, um, which was basically my goal for the whole week. So that was a good start. Um, but then the larger thing was that I just started receiving messages from people all around the world. I actually did receive a bunch of messages from people in Australia. Um, a lot of people just saying thank you. Um, you know, my significant other, my mother, my brother, my husband, uh, is a frontline worker. thank you so much for this initiative. Those were the ones, I wish I had like printed them out, and made a collage because yeah. those are the ones that really touched me. Um, but even more so, I was getting messages from people that were members of some of the best clubs in the world. and they said, you know, hey, well, we really want to support what you're doing. Uh, can we donate around? at our amazing golf course. And we're talking about like just incredible, incredible golf courses. I mean, you know, ones that five, 10 years ago, I was just dreaming about playing and now people are just donating these rounds to my auction. So the ball really just started rolling. And, um, you know, the amount of money that, that we raised just, just became astonishing. Um, and I remember that, Going into the last night, we had raised $65,000, which is a lot of money, but I had this feeling that the last night would be big, right? There's like an auction, everybody's waiting on the sidelines, and, uh, and it was. And so we raised um, over $36,000 in the last three hours. So in total, I raised over $101,000 in seven days for, for COVID relief. So
0: that is that is um, sensational, and you know, congratulations. And I saw I've seen <laughs> that on your website, and it's, you know, and I watched I watched that journey. You know, as you know, you know I I yeah. you know reached out and was probably hopefully it was one of those people that said well done, and I, I watched it go and watched that get to hundred thousand dollars in a very short period of time, and and uh, you know it was amazing watching it, and it just made people like me think, wow, that you know there's a the potential in golf to do some really good stuff, and uh, that's
1: right. Yeah. And, and Ross, I mean, I, I can't stress it enough, right? The the COVID auction was, was nothing more than just a way for me to give back. Hmm. And, you know, I wasn't looking to make any money off of it. I wasn't looking to start a business. It was simply just something for me to do and, and to give back to those people who are out there on the front lines fighting for our safety while we're you know, inside hitting an Amazon button and having groceries delivered and Oof. it just didn't sit right with me. And so, um, yeah, it, 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 was a, it was a staggering figure and it, you know, it's interesting to sort of see, um, you know, what's obviously come about since then, mm. but, um, I can't stress enough. I mean, the, the first auction I did was literally just a way to give back and just, uh, just a little side project.
0: So the mechanics of the auction, just for those that are interested, so how did, was it literally, you know, you, you were buying rounds at all of these great courses that had put the prizes up and you, you were paying for that privilege to, to buy a number of rounds or was it individual rounds? I can't remember. Yeah,
1: it was just individual rounds yep. and they were either foursomes at the club or a lot of cases threesomes with a member. Yep. And... Yeah, basically it was kind of like an eBay-style auction where obviously the highest price wins and then afterwards you get connected with the host member and figure out a mutual date that works for the two parties and, and, you know, you get to play one of the greatest golf courses in the world all the while supporting charity.
0: It is a fairly easy when you think about it like uh, the way you've explained it. If you're a member at one of these courses and you have, you know, any sort of philanthropic bone in your body, it's a pretty simple thing to be able to invite three people that you – you know, no share a vision like you do to come down and play your golf course and and pay for it. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that they paid for it. And uh, you yeah. know, I, I know um, you will know Caddy Magazine, uh, sure. an, a great, wonderful Australian publication. And Will Watt is a, a colleague and a friend of mine. And and we did not a, nowhere near a similar thing. But when we had these bushfires here in Melbourne, you know, Will wanted to use his uh, voice and his Reached to to do something for the bushfire relief, and he reached out to me and said, "You know, do you think that you would take someone onto a Peninsula Kingswood for a round? Because you know it's a top five course in Australia. It's recently been yeah. re- rejuvenated. You can see a picture in the background there. Um, yeah, I was going to say it looks great. It it is a wonderful um, thirty six holes of golf. And I said one one round. You know, like let's 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 make it real. You know, let's do two rounds. You know, you and I'll take two people out, and people really." really gravitated towards that. And then the guys at Barm Boogle put a, a round for four up and, you know, once again, people were happy to jump on that. And, and that was around, was around that sort of same time as similar time that you were doing yours. And it just made me think that, you know, there's a lot of power in this. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was great for me. It was a great feeling, but yeah, you know, I'm not, this is not for me to big myself up. Absolutely not. But it was just a great and easy thing to do. You know, two rounds of golf at my golf course, sure. It's nothing, nothing. And, you know, I know that the person that's, that bought it can't wait until we can get back out there and do it. You know, like that's, that's the next part of the journey. And, you know, he's excited and I'm excited to have someone down there that wants to experience a new golf course for the first time and, and, and hear the hype. So, you know, you've, you've capitalized on that whole concept and just turned it in, you know, 10 X it uh, to the max, which is great.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. There's, there's a couple of things to unpack with that. The first is that, um you know, hopefully the person that bought the round with you, um, is, is, is a good, interesting, you know, creative person. And a lot of times what I've seen already is making those connections is those people then become friends Mm. or they become business partners and clients with each other. I can't tell you the amount of connections that I've already made, or I should say help made. Um, and so I know that there's a big kind of community aspect here, Mm. um, which I'm really looking forward to exploring. The other thing is, um, I love hearing, you know, stories of, you know, I'd like, I'd like to think that hopefully I have inspired some people to do a similar thing that I've done. Right. Because, um, if, if I can show that the game of golf can, um, lead to more charitable pursuits, fantastic. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, 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 Hopefully, my, my lead and my example is inspiring some other people to do some more things and just give back in this great game of golf. I think the third thing that I really want to hone in on, and you mentioned it before, is it is so simple. And the most exciting part to me is if you think about you know, the dynamics of private golf courses, obviously, you can't get in unless you know a member or you are a member. Um, and so because of that, the economics are rather interesting in the sense that the supply to play great private golf courses is very high. Hmm. And the, or uh, excuse me, the demand, excuse me, is very high and the supply is basically zero. Hmm. And so because of those economics, um, you have these rounds that can go for a substantial amount of money. I mean, around a threesome at Shinnecock went for $11,000 on my COVID auction. And you think about, you know, that's an extreme example. But consistently rounds that are auctioned off on my platform are going in the thousands of dollars. And if you think about the normal guest fee at a private course in the United States is somewhere between 100 and $150. So let's say it's $450 tops for guest fees. You're talking about amplifying that four, five, six X in terms of the ROI that's then given to a charity. So. Um, versus just someone handing over a check yeah. and um, so from a return on investment uh, in a philanthropic way um, the economics are just are just really good
0: well I can see you know uh, and once a long time ago I bid and it wasn't successful but you know once again I put around um, put together a, a consortium I guess you know it was me and th- two mates and we wanted to buy around with uh, Stuart Appleby uh, yeah. he was doing some work uh, know um, for his charity and, and whatever it was and it was a long time ago and um, uh, it was exactly that you know we were happy to play well over the odds for this experience of playing with Stuart Appleby at I can't remember the course but and it wasn't an issue you know we didn't win we were at bid and you know good luck to the person that won and I hope they had a great time yeah. but yeah. you know if you're in business and I'm in, you know sitting here in business and what a great way to you know to to host some people to to take some people yeah. along and do something for charity. You know, it's just double win-win. Both sides. You know, you, you've got a charitable donation. You've got a great experience for yourself and some friends, colleagues, business people. Use it to your advantage. It's it's just yeah. such a no-brainer. Um, okay. I'm I'm interested to explore when you said you know influencing people in, and around the world uh, to do something similar. Have you Have you thought, and I'm sure you have, about the concept of you growing member for a day internationally, and you know it being part of your member for a day body you know and I, and I see that through the growth yeah. in random golf club you know i don't know if you've met eric anders lang or you know, yeah, um, yep but you know what he's done with random golf club and setting up the chapters all around the world and you know it's like the pied piper and there's all these people just you know jumping on board to that concept that they subscribe to you know the belief that that's the way that golf should and could and can roll yeah is that the sort of vision well
1: so i think there's there's obviously some really large differences, right? I mean, random golf club, you're talking about physical communities, right? Mm. Whereas member for a day is is certainly a digital pursuit. And so um, I think something that's always attracted me to internet businesses, specifically platform and community-based businesses, is there are no borders, Mm. right? People can, if somebody from UK or Australia or Japan wants to bid on a at Shinnecock, They can do it just as well as someone from New York can, Mm. Um, and so I actually don't even think about borders. Mm. Um, And I've had auction items; I haven't had any in Australia yet. There was, um, but you know, I I think that'll that'll come soon. We've had a couple in the UK, Um, and so for me, it's just it's. I'm really more focused on uh, two things it's working with amazing nonprofits that do amazing work Mm -hmm. and getting great golf courses. Mm Uh, and I think if I can continue to do that, the community is just going to keep growing. I mean, I see it, Right. right. I see it every day. The amount of people who are following me on Instagram, um, and are joining my email list, uh, it just continues to grow. And um, I just know if I keep working with great nonprofits and offer great once in a lifetime golf experiences, the rest is, is kind of yes. going to take care of itself.
0: So you, you don't attend the rounds of golf. You just set it up and then it happens. And yeah, so in the, in that, in my example, that I guess I was sort of thinking about it. you, you don't really need someone on the ground in, in Australia to, to, to be able to do that. You just need some people. Mm-hmm. Maybe like me that are willing to put up, you know, a threesome at my golf course, and you know, you put that up as an auction, and, and then we'll find someone at Royal Melbourne, and we'll find someone, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera. You exactly just need right. people people like that on this side of the world. You'll do all right. you'll do all the work. Maybe there's a yeah. charity on this side of the country or this side of the world that can benefit from it. But you know, you've got yeah. the systems, the structure, and, and everything in place to make it make it happen. That's
1: exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, and so we're definitely we're definitely jumping ahead, and and yeah. I want to you know make sure to sort of tell that story because I think it's everything that's happened since May has, has been just such a wild journey. And I mean, I have more stories than, than I think we have time for a podcast, but you know, what happened after that first COVID auction, just a lot of things just didn't make sense. So, and I mean that in the best way possible. Hmm. Um, I got um, written up in golf magazine. I was in the New York post. I mean, just some big time articles. And, And the only reason I bring that up is because because of all that press, all these nonprofits started messaging me, yeah, right. and saying, you did it for COVID, can you do it for heart disease? Can you do it for cancer? can you do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I, I was like, sure, yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't know. And I sort of had to figure out how to take what I did and create a model that's scalable where I can essentially create a platform that's charity agnostic um, work with any amazing nonprofit and raise a ton of money through the game of golf. Mm. And, um, since then we've just, it's been crazy. I mean, I've, I think at last count I've done six auctions to date, we've raised over $215,000 for a variety of nonprofits. Um, and I'm booked through the new year. Um, we're booked clear through the holidays into 2021.
0: So when you say, um, when you say you're booked. You know, so you you don't have any spaces to run any more auctions because you've got all of your courses, all of your golf, you know, destinations locked in, and you're yeah. running as many auctions as you can to to really yeah, do so,
1: it. Yeah. yeah, so it's a good question because you know I look at this as as Ross is just one big test, right? Yeah. And yeah. um the the bottom line is my goal is just to raise, like I said, raise as much money as possible through the game of golf um, for amazing nonprofits. And so um, right now the way we're doing it is. I'm not running multiple auctions at the same time. So I'm, I'm basically there's like a five to seven day window where I'm working with a nonprofit. We're doing their auction, we're promoting it exclusively. Um, and when that ends, then we move on to the next one. Uh, and so because of that, um, you know, obviously there's only four weeks in a month. Um, so it sort of limits the amount that I can do right now. And that's okay because, you know, I'm not thinking of this as like, how large can we grow this and how fast can we do it? To me, it's more I'm I'm being methodical and everything is happening so organically. I'm being introduced to um, really interesting people in the nonprofit space and the golf space and the overlap of the two. They see my model as one that's um, sort of innovative. I think they see my vision of creating a community around the charitable side of golf. And, um, you know, I haven't done any outbound at all. Mm. I'm not, and we just continue to grow. And so that's kind of the way I want it to be because before we potentially get pretty large, um, and become a, a, a pretty large platform, I want to make sure that we're doing it the right way. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, I, I, I can't explain it in any other way except the last few months have just really been a dream come true. I mean, you know, I'm speaking to professional golfers, agents. I'm, you know, talking with the tournament organizers for PGA Tour events. I'm, you know, just, just living my dream. I mean, I've wanted to work in golf for so long. I've always loved uh, charitable endeavors. And so to combine the two with the technology aspect, which, you know, fits my background, it's. I mean, this is clearly my life's work, um, and um, it shows because I'm really just doing nothing else with my time except for focusing on growing this.
0: That's great. That's sensational. Do you think that uh, you'll see the time when you know we, we'll be watching the PGA Tour and on someone's bag, shirt, cap, or whatever, wherever that you'll see a member for a day. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. I've already had conversations with. Um, some corn ferry tour guys about that. So that's coming. It's actually, actually the only holdup is, is the logo process. Right. Um, and making sure that, um, we do it right. I've gone through a couple iterations and I'm still kind of waiting for the one that that feels right. But, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the platform remains to be seen how large it can get to and, and sort of in what capacity it grows to. But, you know, I think if you're talking about from the player's perspective, you know, the way I look at this is, is I'm going to be able to create a platform where we can amplify and display the goodwill of, of players. Mm. Right. I mean, um, I've already, um, you know, a couple months ago, um, perfect example, I interviewed Johnny Damon, um, former major league baseball player, who's a huge golfer. We talked about his golf game. We talked about all his charitable endeavors. And I really think that model of, um, just interviewing, uh, former athletes, current athletes, golfers, um, celebrities, athletes in general, um, just to talk about, you know, to humanize them a little bit and to hear about all the amazing stuff that they're doing.
0: Uh,
1: mm. It's just, is great, right? I mean, like the, the model is pretty simple. It's, let's chat golf and you can tell us some of the really great uh, philanthropic stuff you're doing. So um, I think a lot of the the agencies and and the players as well are, are are seeing what the vision of where I'm going with this as a way to sort of display and amplify all the good stuff that they're doing through the game of golf.
0: And what's the feedback been like from some of the actual auction winners and participants? You know, have they, what have they been able to to do, and how have they benefited, and and what has that feedback been like?
1: Yeah, I remember this this one guy messaged me on Instagram a couple months ago and said something like he brought his father to a course that they had, you know, he had not played since he was a child and he was away for years and he just thanked me for, for setting it up, which is, you know, he shouldn't thank me. He should be thanking his host, which I'm sure he did as well. But yeah, I think Ross, for me, there's a, there's a part of it that, you know, private golf is just that it's private, right? Mm. Like we talked about before and you, and not a lot of people can play these courses. And so by giving people the opportunity to play these courses with a huge philanthropic Avenue is especially important to me just because growing up, I, I didn't belong to a country club. Mm. And when I started to get into golf, I just remember driving by, I grew up in Westchester, actually pretty close to Wingfoot. And I just remember driving by those gates and just being like, man, like, I would love to play there. Like, how do I play there? Like, you know, I, I just, it just felt like a different world. And so, you know, giving people those once in a lifetime opportunities all the while raising money for charities is just, it's, it's just something that's so important to me. I know that feeling of playing a golf course that, I've played golf courses that I actually had dreams of. Mm you know, as golfers like you and I are, it's just, it's a different feeling. It's, it's, it is the definition of surreal. And, uh, I like to, I like to think that I, I'm sort of, a, at least for right now, a small part in, in sort of allowing people to have that experience.
0: Well, if you say small part, oh, I'm going to say small, but growing rapidly part of, uh, a great <laughs> golf landscape and that sur- surreal feeling, you know, I've experienced that, you know. I've been lucky, very, very, very lucky and blessed to be able to, you know, experience some wonderful golf courses in Australia and around the world. All, yeah. you know, at the part of the generosity of other people who are happy to, you know, just share around a golf with me, um, especially in Scotland. You know, places like Muirfield and Renaissance Club, and and uh, with guys that I ostensibly didn't know, but they were, you know, generous enough to to want to want to take me on there. And, um, you know, there's plenty of people like that like that out there, and I'm sure in Australia down here there's there's gonna be hopefully someone listens to this and, you know, when the time's right and you know, that Royal Melbourne West Course auction I think would be fairly desirable down here or yeah. you know, there's probably a handful of others, um definitely, you know, we're gonna be able to find the people that wanna to, wanna to help. And and it's not gonna be an issue down here. So, uh, you know, I look yeah. forward to the day that, you know, we can talk about and maybe uh this podcast or I or, or whoever can introduce you to some to some people that wanna, you know, help facilitate that down here in Australia because uh yeah, we're, we're, we're a pretty good bunch down here in Australia. Uh, we're pretty charitable.
1: Yeah, so I lived in Brisbane for, for six months. Oh, there you so go. I studied abroad at UQ, so I, uh, I I know it all too well.
0: You're a bloody, o- <laughs> bloody Aussie, mate, up there in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this accent's not unfamiliar to you. So Brisbane, no. did, did you did you do any golf up there when you are in Brisbane?
1: You know, because I was studying abroad and I was just a cheap college student, I did a little bit but not much. Yeah. I, can't, I remember there was one Greg Norman design that was kind of new when I was living there. Um, that I played, which was actually really nice. Um, I can't remember the name for the life of me right now, but I'm, I'm this is going to sound so ridiculously American, but the thing that just blew me away, not surprisingly was seeing kangaroos in the golf course and just that was just, it's just as an American, that's the most epic thing. It's well, a lot better than a deer.
0: well, if you are listening to this and hopefully, uh, you know, this can reach some of your uh, fellow countrymen over there in America with the courses in Melbourne being closed, uh, there are a handful around on um, more so on the outskirts. But uh, some of my friends and colleagues work at these courses and they've shown me some pictures from the, the last week. So there's been no play, obviously, just some green keepers. And mm. the pro- proliferation of kangaroos. We've, we've got a doke course down here, which is personally one of my favourites. Uh, it's a public course. You can go and play there and it costs you about $60, $60 Australian dollars. And it's, mm. and it's a tom doke and it's one of his, even he says it's one of his you know, best pieces of land and best pieces yeah, of work. What's the name of that? It's called St. Andrew's beach. Right.
1: That's what I thought. St. Andrew's. Yeah. I've seen it on his Instagram before.
0: Yeah. So he loves that place and you know, we all love it, but the pictures down there of kangaroos for the there's, there's hundreds of They're kangaroos. They're over. They're just lying there in the grass, eating the grass <laughs> and having fun and, they, they, do, they don't know what COVID is. They just think, where's all the golfers gone? But anyway, it's a it's a wonderful experience for those that uh, do want to see a kangaroo. Australia, when you can travel back down here, is a great place to come and do golf and see kangaroos. And within Melbourne, within an hour, there's probably several courses that you can see kangaroos. Just on that, just on a side point, there's another course called Anglesey. And um, I once uh, had a great experience at North Berwick. I was playing golf uh, with an Australian. Well, I just got randomly paired with another Australian. He worked for the... Uh, uh, the customs, he was on holidays touring around. All of a sudden the starter at North Berwick comes belting down the third hole with a, in his cart. He says, oh, I've got another Australian here to join the Australian party. Anyway, it was, his name was Steve Ballack and he was the um, head greenkeeper, this is so random, uh, at uh, the superintendent at Anglesey. And mm. Anglesey probably is the most recognised course in outer Melbourne or not too far away for having kangaroos. So much mm. so that they have turned that into a tourist business for buses of tourists to go and visit the golf course only to see <coughs> kangaroos not to see golf just to see <laughs> so kangaroos the yeah. so they've got a they've got a side hustle dealing in kangaroo tourism at mm-hmm. angle mm-hmm. golf course there you go um we digress on kangaroos i'm glad you like the kangaroos yeah. down here big, big things um mate it's i'm sure there's dozens of stories what what are the next you know the next key points that you're going to hit in member for a day the next project level. What's, what, what's on the immediate horizon that you, that you want to tell people about?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we, the next, the next month or two we're we're sort of taking it to the next level, um, in terms of the scale, the offerings, um, the nonprofits we're working with, um, just everything. Um, you know, we're going to get, um, really big names, celebrities involved, athletes, um, just a, a, a staggering list of incredible golf courses that continues to blow me away. Um, and so, yeah, I mean the bottom line is if you're looking for a holiday gift to give someone in your family who loves golf, there's going to be some incredible once in a lifetime, uh, experiences up for a bid in the next couple months. So, you know, what I always tell people is is if you're interested in in playing amazing golf courses and once- in a lifetime experiences all the while supporting charity, the best thing to do is follow me on Instagram at member for a day uh, and or you can sign up for our email list at memberforday dot com and yeah, the next two months, let's just say, Ross, I'm working really hard these days, yeah. um, but I'm having a blast, and we're gonna raise a lot of money for charity uh, the rest of this year. like, um, knock on wood, it's going to be a staggering amount of money.
0: And are you getting any time for your own personal
1: golf? <laughs> you, you, know. you know, it's funny. I, I did an interview a couple days ago and a guy asked me that and I said, I'm actually trying to play less golf these days. Mm. And he said, you might be the first person on earth who's ever said that. <laughs> and I kind of laughed and I said, yeah, that came off weird. But what I mean by that is, what I've noticed is it almost feels a bit selfish when I spend four and a half hours on the golf course, because I know how much impact I can have in the world through, um, charity and golf, um, through growing member for a day. And Mm. so, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm still trying to figure out that balance. Mm. Um, of course, if, you know, if a good invite comes up, it's hard for me to say no, I have lost a little bit of that, that, um, the zest for, for just kind of recreational golf. Mm-hmm. And I think that's as to be expected. I mean, I'm literally talking golf all day long now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, you know, I just got back from a Midwest golf trip. That was just an amazing experience for those who follow me on Instagram. They've probably, they probably are, are, um, tired of seeing all my photographs, but I played some good ones. I mean, I played interlock and white bear yacht club. I was at sand Valley. I played at Bobo Link. I played at Kingsley Club, um, uh, Aaron Hills, La Sonia Links, Blue Mound, Beverly. I mean, I, I played a lot of golf. I actually – I'm not going to pick up a golf club for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I live on a golf course. That's the funny part. Um, yeah, I'm golfed out, so I'll be just kind of like doing yoga and stretching and reading books for the next couple of weeks for for free time. Um, that, that, but, is, you know,
0: that is some catalog of golf courses that you just uh, reeled off there. <laughs> That, that is, you know, like I think if someone woke up for a dream, they might have, you know, and they said, I'm going to play golf in that part. That would be every course on the list. What was your favorite? Let's talk golf for the golf courses for a second. Cause you obviously love your golf and your golf course architecture and, you know, through yeah, you, yeah. So let's talk golf courses for a sec.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, the beautiful thing about it, Ross was I'd always dreamt of being in, in sort of the, the Northern Midwest during fall because the, the leaves changing, the colors are just stunning. And I was there just, I saw it all. I saw from like the beginning to the peak and then it was starting to slow down. And, and that's when I, I left. Um, let's see what were, what were my favorites? I think, um, I thought Sonia links, which is a public golf course that costs less than a hundred dollars at peak time was fantastic. Um, favorite it's of- definitely a favorite.
0: Favorite of Andy yeah. Johnson from the Friday. He loves that place. I think, I'm pretty sure. Andy
1: Johnson loves it. And rightfully so. Um, it's the, the two nines are completely different. The front nine is kind of slightly parkland kind of through the trees. And the back nine is just links like you could be anywhere. Um, and the wind howls. And um, I, I loved it. It was the wind was so the wind was like a Scotland, Ireland type day, the day I was there, which just beat me up. But I was just laughing and having a great time. Um so that one was really special. Um I'm trying to think um you know the the combo that I did in in Minneapolis of playing White Bear Yacht Club and Interlochen was so cool. Um on multiple notes. One, most people would say those are the two best courses in the state of Minnesota. But two, they're so different. And so White Bear Yacht Club, it's 6400 yards from the tips. It's wacky and weird and hugely undulating and i loved it and i actually played one of the best rounds actually i think the best round of of the year there and posted my lowest score um and then the next day it's funny interlocking which is which is ranked the number one course in the state of minnesota um, for some reason i had uh tempered expectations because a lot of times when i go to these big name places um i don't know i just don't love big brawny difficult back and forth sort of us open style golf courses and boy was i totally wrong with interlock and i thought it was fun interesting each hole was unique um they they can't stretch it out quite far enough for a usga event but i mean i know they've hosted uh women's opens events there and and some big junior events there it's it's awesome i loved it i had an amazing host they just redid the clubhouse they they built a deck that overlooks the whole golf course I mean I so those two when I go on golf trips I look for diversity right so I don't want to just play all modern courses or all classic courses or all Fazio designs or I like I want to see everything right and to go from White Bear Yacht Club to Interlaken and then to Sand Valley the next day was like such a like those three days just encompassed my trip because Sand Valley I mean Sand Valley looks like looks like behind you to some mm-hmm. degree, you know, it has that kind of, that kind of sand belt, um, Australia vibe. And so, um, that was, that was, that was really special. Um, it's hard for me to kind of really say what was the best, but like I said, the, the combo of whiteberry, Occam and interlocking was, was special.
0: You said a couple of things in in that last few minutes there that uh, appeal to me. And I know that, uh, when we do get to meet and we will one day, whether it's on your side or this side, we will do that. And, we'll, and that'll be fine. That'll be great. Um, you said there that getting beaten up in a, like a Scottish Irish link. So it's a massive tick for me. When when you say you got beaten up by the wind and, and the rain, like it's being in Scotland and I'm sure you've been there and done that and you wear that as a badge of honor. That's, that's yeah. fantastic for me because that is one of the beauties about being a golfer when you can respect being beaten up and you appreciate what you've been through. That's great. And I have then, a great
1: story about that. If I can interject. Yeah, can, of course, it's your podcast. So, I was in, uh, Southwest Ireland. This was a couple years ago, with my brother and my father, and we did kind of the classic courses, right? The ones that everyone does. And we just got so lucky. It, we all had rain suits. It never rained. Mm-hmm. It was sunny every day, you know, 50, 60 degrees. It was great. We go to Bally Bunyan. We play in the morning, the old course, and it was like kind of raining, but not bad. It kind of got worse as time goes on. And, um, by the time we, we were walking off 18, it had gotten pretty bad and we're walking up to the clubhouse and there's a starter there. And, you know, he said, you know, how was, how was the round? And I said, I said, great. Um, and you know, I sort of motioned to the tee box of, of, uh, the caching course. I said, is the, is the caching course open? And he looked at me like I was crazy because at this point, Ross, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm not one to exaggerate. It was, we were going closer and closer to a hurricane weather. I mean, there was no, it it wasn't golf at that point. And he looked at me and just couldn't believe I even asked a question. He said, Sonny, if you want to play the the Cashing course, it's on us. (laughs) Go for it. And my (laughs) dad said, no way. I'm out of here. Went straight into the clubhouse. I played by myself and it was, it was, it was nuts. I mean, I'm just punching three irons. 50 yards down the fairway it's like when they say umbrellas are irrelevant in Ireland. it went right in the bag um and i just i came into the clubhouse five hours later my dad's sitting on the couch in front of a fire he'd met a couple members he's having the best time and i just looked like a a wet rat that was in in the sewer system for the past couple hours but you know what i look back on that and it was just the wild you know I felt like a kid jumping in in puddles when you're five years old and it sort of brings back that, that childhood fever. So, uh, you know, I, I had a blast.
0: I'm sure that feeling equates to a lot of the feeling that you get now when you, when you look back at what you're doing and you pinch, but you know, I can, I can probably in my mind's eye, maybe if I tell it the wrong way, you know, the feeling of being in Ballybunion out on a course in the elements, you're only one out there and you know, it's another part of the world. It's pretty hard not to be, Spending some time reflecting on on where you are and what you're doing and and what we have been, um, it's a yeah. it's a great experience to be out there. You know, like uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to be to that part of the world. My wife's family are from Ireland, and um, you know, we spent a little bit of time there. I once had reciprocal membership at Le Hinch, so yeah, you know, my first oh, Iri- my first uh, yeah Irish golf experience was um, flying down from Edinburgh to Shannon and just driving up to spend three or four days at Lahinch and. Once again, spoiled, and you have to pinch yourself there, but being out there at La Hinch, and I just went for a walk uh, uh, out there by myself, which, you, as you know, in that part of the world is totally cool to do. You know, you're not frowned yeah. upon by going out and having a look and walking around and you know, at La Hinch checking the goats out because they've got goats there, which are <laughs> like the weather, the men of La Hinch. Um, and it's just unbe- an unbelievable experience and just staying in that part of the world. I didn't play at Ballybunion. I drove sort of past it, stopped at Doonbeg, had a coffee, but at, that morning I'd played at Tralee, and, and just to...
1: Which is my favourite. I, I love Tralee.
0: You love Tralee. I, I Love Tralee. It's hard not to love Tralee. I found it interesting, you know, totally different in that front nine, back nine. You know, the back nine yeah. was just... The back I'm, nine is incredible.
1: I thought the front nine was really good too. People kind of hate on the front nine. I thought the whole course was amazing.
0: Oh, you know, that second, I can't remember the whole, the, the par five, the one around the, I think it's a par five, the you know, the first one that sort of takes you around the the bay there and, no. then, and yeah, then... Yeah, then, I think it's the second hole. It's yeah, great. the second it's like hole, key yeah, key that's hole. it. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And then the other one great. on the you know where the water's on the left-hand side over the other yeah, side. Yeah, I think it's there. like seven
1: or eight. Yeah. yeah, it's another great
0: hole. Yeah, and the little castles, the you know those old yep. ancient lookout castles there, it's phenomenal. But it, just a story on that for your benefit. I'm not sure if my listeners have heard me tell this story, but um, before, but how golf is such a small world and connected world, and how you know really as golfers we really are all out there just doing the same thing, and we're not that far away from each other really, uh, and this podcast can prove it. But I turn up. Uh, to an 8, 8 a.m. tea time. So I'd driven from Lahinch to Tralee for an 8 a.m. tea time. So you, you can imagine that's a fairly early start. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a lot of um, uh, tourist uh, coaches there, which is the norm over there, and I'm teed, teed up to go by myself. And by this time I'd hung out with myself for quite a while and I sort of wouldn't have minded some company. I said to the start, I said, is there anyone that I can join? Is there any threes here that I can join? He said, oh, there's a, a um, father and daughter from the U.S. that are behind you. I'll ask them if it's okay to go with them. So said that'd be great. And uh, anyway, long story short, I spent some time in 1987 in Palm Springs. It turns out mm. that the gent that I was playing with was the best friend of the family that I stayed with in Palm Springs in 1987. And they knew each other very well. I got dragged in to have lunch with them after the round and talk about what I did in 1987 when I stayed at the barber's house. And, uh, you know, like, what a great way to spend, you know, four hours, four, four and a half hours on a golf course with a fellow that, you know, meant so much for your past. So it was, it was really good. That's why Tralee's always going to be a fond uh, a fond memory of, of mine. But um, I actually posted a picture on my Instagram story last night from Tralee. You might can check it out. Someone, yeah. One of these black and white pictures um, that everyone's saying, you know, post a black and white picture. The one that I posted last night was yeah. from Tralee. Now, talking of pictures, you take some wonderful pictures. All, Are yeah. all, of, all of those images on your Instagram yours? You take yeah. one? Yeah.
1: Yeah. They are. Yeah. Um, you know, I think now it's interesting you say that because now that I am doing auctions, um, of courses all over the country and the world, I haven't been every course. Um, so there are some times where, um, we spoke about them before, uh, PJ Koenig and, and John Cavalier of Links gem. Uh, they've both been really gracious to, um, let me use some of their photos, um, in order to, to raise money for charity. So that's been really helpful. Um, because yeah, I, I certainly I don't travel as much as those two. I travel a bunch, but they they blow me away uh, in terms of how many golf courses they play.
0: PJ, it's phenomenal just watching how much golf he plays. The, <laughs> the even post you know his touring you know days, the amount of golf that he's playing at the moment it's just phenomenal. And good luck to him. He's doing doing great stuff, and he's playing with some great people and bringing us some great information. Whether it's okay. you know trying to get a hole in one or high kicking or whatever he's doing, it's it's always fun and <laughs> funny to watch. Mate, I think, uh, you know, if there's anything else that you want to cover, if there's any final message or anything like that, I think hopefully we've left everyone with a great insight into the great work that you're doing. And please go across and follow Eric at his Instagram account, sign up to his email list. One day the work will come down here, and I'm just saying this, I'm happy to help in whatever way I can, and I'm sure there will will be other people as well. It's been great to chat some, some golf. You're obviously a very, 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 very passionate golfer. You like your architecture. So I know a lot of our listeners are going to appreciate that chat. And uh, I've, I've had a great time finally catching up with you. We've been talking about it for a while and, you know, one thing led to another. But uh, here we are. And it's been uh, a lot of fun and very enlightening. And I'm very proud to have you on uh, the podcast because you have done and are doing and continue to do wonderful work.
1: Thanks, Ross. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And obviously, thanks for having me on. And uh, looking forward to teeing it up sometime. Like you said, either side of the pond.
0: Anytime. And anytime you want to come on, if there's something new that you want to tell people, you just don't have to. It's an open invitation. Just say, let's jump on, let's record something, push it out there. It's uh, it's an open forum, uh, the Mile of Golf podcast. So don't be shy in, uh, in letting me know what's going on and, when, and what you want people to hear.
1: I appreciate
0: that. Eric, thank you very much for joining us. Check Eric out. And until next time on the My Love of Golf podcast, jump over, leave us a review, tell your friends, this is the way that uh, this podcast gets in the ear and people get to hear the wonderful message of Eric and member for a day. Thanks, Eric.
1: That was awesome, Ross. Appreciate you, buddy. (laughs)